When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day number 35, since many of us have gotten the memo about social distancing and staying at home, and day number one of this podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, let me introduce the show. Like all of us, my life changed on March 11th. That's the date it seems the global pandemic became inescapably real for most Americans. The trifecta of President Trump's travel ban, the canceling of the NBA season, and the news that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson had contracted COVID-19 all happened within a crazy couple of hours. I was home alone with my dog in rural Connecticut. My son, who's a college sophomore, was in London for the semester. And my husband, a recent cancer survivor, was in Los Angeles directing a film. Within days, we were all home, maintaining social distance, even from each other, self-quarantined. Movies, semesters abroad, plans, travel, suddenly put on indefinite hold. 35 days later, this is the way we live now. I imagine that we all have an emblematic moment in which we felt in our bones that life was suddenly different, unrecognizable. Mine happened at a bakery. I drove to our local small bakery to buy a loaf of bread. When I parked my car and went inside, the shelves were empty. Two loaves, fresh loaves, were on the counter and wrapped to go. I'll take one of those, please, I asked the young woman behind the counter. We're out of bread, she said. You're out of bread? I was disbelieving. I turned around and walked out. Another car pulled into the small parking lot. I recognized the woman who got out. Our kids had been friends when they were little. They're out of bread, I told her. Oh, I called and they're saving two loaves for me, she answered. Both of us kept moving. I drove home, empty-handed and shaken. 
Today, day 35 and day number one, I'm joined by Serge Medikians. Serge is a chef and owner of the restaurant Saravan, a small, cozy, elegant restaurant he's owned since 2004 that's housed in a building built in the late 1880s in the hamlet of Amenia, New York. Serge, welcome to The Way We Live Now. Thank you so much. Danny. <laughs> Tell me, where are you now? Like, where, where are you right now? Invite us into your world and describe it a little bit for us. Yeah, I am at my writing computer, which I use for writing and editing my photos, and also the computer that I have Photoshop on, and I am working on our menu that is uh, for to-go, as you know and doing updating the menu for the weekend based on the deliveries that we got yesterday and today. I should mention that you're a photographer, a wonderful photographer as well, as a pilot. Right. For years, I've enjoyed your Instagram in which you take photographs often from the air, also of beloved Amenia, New York. And I noticed just last night on your Instagram that there was this post. It was a very moody post shot through a window with rain droplets on it of um, the property um, around Saravan. That's right. I'm wondering what it feels like to be in the empty restaurant. I, I came by a week or so ago to pick up some uh, delicious takeout food from you, and I was so struck by you know, the bar that's usually so lively and the tables that are filled with diners and the place being empty but for you in the kitchen cooking. Um, what's, what's that been like for you? You know, I think for all of us, maybe particularly for single people, the sense of solitude is magnified. I mean, I've been single for a long time now, and I'm comfortable with my solitude, but I've never felt alone. And this sense of solitude where you are within the confines of the property, Cerebon, because I live above it, has sort of magnified that um, loneliness that never bothered me, but it bothers me. So, and I became aware of it very early, maybe about three weeks ago. And um, because I'm a natural extrovert, but the act of cooking, the act of being in the kitchen and given the circumstances, I should say the privilege of being able to cook and continue to cook is a perfect antidote to that sense of loneliness. And that sense of loneliness comes because there is such limited human interaction in my life now very limited. So I'm able to counteract that and focus that my connection right now with the outside world is through what I do in the kitchen. And that has changed the way I cook. You know, before creativity and a sense of expression were very important. But now superseding that is a sense of nourishment to know that this food is going out to not impress, 
to not say wow, but to nourish the body, to nourish the soul. And that has impacted my disposition, my everyday disposition uh, in the kitchen. Because, you know, generally as a chef owner of a restaurant, I want my food to leave an impression, to be remembered. That is not what is important now. That's so beautiful, Serge. And it's also what you're really talking about is that ego has been taken out of it in some way. 100%. The artistic ego of whether it's a chef or a writer or an artist of any kind, that this crisis just explodes that because it just becomes about us all being in this together. And it also sounds like a result of that could be that it, it also counter balances or counteracts that loneliness that you were talking about. Because when you're in the kitchen cooking and you know that your food is being picked up by people and brought to their homes and being eaten and, and people are being nourished, that is a form of connection. 100%. You know, I'm a, I'm a natural extrovert, 100% natural extrovert. So I need outside stimuli to to get me going. And I love interacting with people. So the fact that I have not had that regular human interaction uh, has has sort of, um, uh, you know, I, I don't feel lonely most of the time, but I do now, you know, you said, how is your day in response to that? I'm aware of my solitude much more vicariously i'm connecting with everybody that i know through the food that i prepare and that food as i said you know its intention is not to impress any longer its intention intention is to convey affection to convey love to convey comfort what are you cooking today i have in the oven right now as we speak lamb shanks mm. for the weekend. And when I go down, I peel a bunch of carrots. Uh, when I go back in the kitchen, I will be dicing the carrots because they'll be served with carrots and Iranian-style basmati rice and peas and dill. They'll be ready uh, by 4 o'clock today, so they'll be on our menu today, along with salmon that we got and trout and some of the other Armenian dishes, you know, that's another thing, you know, the comfort food for me as a child that my mother would make, I seem to have gravitated towards them. And one of my favorite childhood dishes uh, is dolma. And I have thought about how much love and affection my mother had for us. And I don't mean to be funny in this situation, but dolma is a lot of work to mm -hmm. make dolma. So my mom, you know, there was five of us, uh, six other mouths. There were seven in our family, and we always requested dolma. And now that I'm alone and I make the dolma, I think about my mother, and I'm so aware of the patience and the affection and the love that she had for us because of the number of times she rolled the dolma pots of it to have for us. 
you know it's it's actually making me sad as i as i recall this uh memory and you know that my armenian teacher in armenia his grandmother rolled dolma for me so i made a video <laughs> and sent to him i said you have to you know kiss grandma because it's a lot of work to do dolma could you describe dolma for us dolma is ground beef that is, uh, you know, it's it's a name that we use in uh, for the Armenians. It's generally stuffed grape leaves or, or stuffed uh, vegetables or um, stuffed uh, cabbage. And the stuffed cabbage and the green leaves, they take uh, uh, grape leaves. They take longer because there, there's a lot. Men, there's many of them, and you have to roll them carefully so they don't fall apart. And it's ground beef, and uh, the ground beef from uh, Willowbrook Farm up in uh, Millerton. Mm. Um, and you have to braise it very gently, and you have to season it uh, appropriately. But I think the awakening of the understanding that, oh my God, there's so much love in this dish, is because of the time it takes to roll each individual one. And so in the past, when you would be making the menus for your full bustling restaurant full of people and, you know, making reservations and coming in for dinner, Dolma wasn't on the menu. Dolma wasn't on the menu because of, uh, you know, technically it's a difficult dish to do well and uh, technically it's a difficult dish to pick up. But because we're not doing our regular menu and because I want to share this with people, uh, I've overlooked the difficulty, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we, you know, now we're not a restaurant where dishes need to go out every five minutes, every two minutes, you know, uh, we time the pickups. So I'm able to heat them properly and execute them properly, which when you're a very busy restaurant and Dolma is not your line, your kitchen is not set up for dolma. It becomes very complicated to do. But this is one of the interesting things that has happened. I continually think about, oh, when and if we begin operation, I will slowly change and introduce a lot of these dishes that we do during takeout that have become really popular such as our housemate pasta as well, or the jingalov hot, the Armenian um, a flat bread that's filled with herbs. So that's the silver lining in this, mm. and learning how to adapt. Speaking of adapting, I think people would be very curious to know, you know, so much has been written about small businesses and restaurants in particular, um, and, you know, the restaurant industry. Doing takeout, are you able to, for a long period of time, sustain the restaurant in that way so that when we are on the other side of this, your doors can swing open again and we can gather again? Yeah, that's a very, very, very good question, Danny. And I'm not sure if I know the answer to it. I do know nothing will be the same, at least for the foreseeable future. And when I say foreseeable future 2021 or 2022 but i consider myself very very lucky and i am deeply deeply grateful 
that I do get the chance to continue cooking with takeout. This is not a time to think of profits. This is not a time to think of making money. This is a time to keep your head. I keep telling myself, reminding myself that this is a time to keep myself above water and some of my staff above water so we don't sink in. Take out keeps us alive, and I think sustain is a good word. It sustains us. How much longer? I'm not sure, dear Danny. I'm not sure where we will be next week. I mean, so far, it seems that every day things are changing and we are adapting to new norms. Now, in the kitchen, in the restaurant, we all have masks. Everyone who walks into the restaurant to work sanitizes himself or herself before they begin work, you know, and you, you picked up last week. So you saw that we tried to keep the distance and have food ready and minimize the level of contact with everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how long we will sustain Mm -hmm. ourselves this way, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not worried about that. Honestly, I'm not worried about that right now because today is really all I have and today we are perfectly fine. And that's what I have to focus on. Yeah, you know, Serge, it's it's so edifying, isn't it? Uh, there's something about crisis that just absolutely thrusts us into the present moment because yeah. there's an awareness that it's the only moment we have. So I I want to just end by asking you, What's bringing you solace? I mean, I think in a way you've answered that because your extraordinary generosity as a chef and as a restaurant owner, I, you know, I'm thinking as we're speaking of an evening a couple of years ago when um, my husband and son and I walked into your restaurant and um, my, my father-in-law had just died that day mm-hmm. and we were in that state of being completely bereft and grief-stricken and shocked. It was very sudden. Mm-hmm. And you fed us. You just mm-hmm. fed us. And you um, kept bringing food to the table. And there was no check. You wouldn't accept payment for it. And it was this sense of being loved and cared for mm-hmm. and nourished. And that is something that you're doing today and in these you know, these weeks and months for the community around you, for friends and strangers I don't want to answer the question for you, but is that a big part of what brings you solace? That That is 100% a way that brings me solace. I'm an Armenian. You know, I live my life with my emotions. Um, so that uh, you, Jacob, and Michael that day, is, is that's what we do to each other. That's, mm. we, we help each other as human beings, especially in times of need. You know, I find solace in thinking about my grandparents. I think solace about what my father uh, went through when we had to leave Iran and uh, he had to stay behind and I never saw him again. Life throws us a lot of curveballs. The important thing is how we respond and In one of your books, and I've told you this many times and I've texted you, in one of your books, you said, I write so that I understand better. 
So I write to understand better. I play a couple of the pieces that I know on the piano because those, I have the piano, not because I played regularly, it's because I go to it in times of difficulty. I'm able to let out a lot of my emotions to understand which ones are the important ones and decipher how to respond, mm. you know? And these times have not settled yet for us. They're still changing. I just pray that I'm awake and I respond properly. Serge, that is beautiful. And I thank you so much for sharing a glimpse of your inner world and your outer world with us. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that uh, you reached out to me, Danny. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That was wonderful, Serge. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Way We Live Now. Have a question or want to share what your life is like today? Join The Way We Live Now's Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash The Way We Live Now pod. That's all one word. Or leave us a voice message at 909-713-8995. That's 909-713-TWWL for The Way We Live. You can also follow me on Instagram at Danny Writer. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Our executive producer is Beth Ann Macaluso. Special thanks to Tyler Klang and Tristan McNeil. Be safe out there. For more productions from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.